the Next Level Occupational Therapy Podcast. My name is Kara Welke, occupational therapist and creator of the Next Level Occupational Therapy platform. The goal of this podcast is to encourage, inspire, and motivate occupational therapy professionals to level up in their career, whether that be to start a new business, add a side job, and or to figure out how to be more satisfied in their current career. Hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Thank you for popping on with us. So my name is Kara Welke, occupational therapist and creator of the Next Level Occupational Therapy platform. The goal of this podcast is to encourage, inspire, and motivate occupational therapy professionals to level up in their career, whether that be to start a new business, add a side job, and or to figure out how to be more satisfied in their current career. We appreciate you listening to today's show, which is sponsored by our Therapy Business Builder Program, where we help healthcare professionals start the business of their dreams from the ground up. Also, be sure you check out our free Next Level Occupational Therapy Facebook group. And for more support, guidance, and training, check out the Next Level Visionary Membership Group. Time to level up occupational therapy professionals. So my goal over the last several months has been to interview occupational therapy professionals who have started their own business so that you can learn from those that have already been through the process. I am so excited for all we will continue to learn from current occupational therapy entrepreneurs. Now on to today's show. It's my pleasure to welcome Trish Williams and actually I think Trish was it October. We originally had our first, we were supposed to be one of the first people on my podcast. And then life hit for me with occupational finishing schooling and it was just madness. And we started, I think the therapy business builder at the same time. And then we tried again. And then today we tried and gosh, darn it, even though life kind of took me by surprise last night today, I'm like, I am not canceling on Trish again because we need to get this podcast done. So thank you, Trish, um, for being flexible. And we were supposed to start about 15 minutes ago, but it's been a little crazy here. So I'm so happy to finally have you here so you can share your journey and everything that you have going on with as many occupational therapy professionals as possible. And we also have a lot of other healthcare professionals that I think can benefit from what you have to share. So Trish has been an occupational therapist for over 25 years. She has a BA in kinesiology, a bachelor's in health sciences from McMaster University. She was a professional associate and admissions committee member in faculty of rehabilitation medicine at McMaster. She is currently an adjunct professor at the University of Alberta. She was also one of the founding faculty of the Calgary campus for the U of A Department of Occupational Therapy. In the spring of 2000, or no, in 2015, she started a pediatric multidisciplinary rehab clinic called Spring Occupational Therapy. It was born out of the desire to provide a boutique 
high-touch experience for families and kids with sensory needs. Now it's in its sixth year of operation, and it has expanded to its current 1,700-square-foot dwelling. An old character home is filled with hardwood and large windows that now offers OT, speech, and behavioral strategy in its range of services. I would love to see pictures of that, by the way, Trish. Um, over 50% of clients are private pay, and yearly revenue continues to build toward the mid-six-figure range. Professionally, she is proudest of making the switch from therapist to CEO, and she embraces that role by now providing the same and high-quality client experience, once reserved solely for her therapy family, to other occupational therapy entrepreneurs as a business coach. Her niche is helping OTs who know they need to move from hustle to scaling in order to find more time to grow their business, make more money, and create a bigger impact. So happy to have you here, Trish. Thank you so and, much, Sarah. And for you guys that are listening to the podcast, or especially for those of you that are listening today, um, Trish is one of the co-founders of um, a summit that is going to be coming up, and she'll be talking to you guys about that um, towards the end as well. So, so yeah, lots of things going on. So can you first start with telling us about your current practice, Spring Occupational Therapy? Sure. Um, as you said in the intro, it is uh, located in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. We're a bricks and mortar clinic. We started with OT and we've expanded to SLP and behavior strategy. We have a variety of contracts, mostly governmental and through schools and that supplements the other 50%, which is private pay. Uh, we have a sensory lens that we use for almost every approach that we take. And I think I'd like to crunch the numbers. I think we've probably served over at least a thousand families in, uh, in the last while. That's awesome. Can you tell me about the behavioral strategy approach? Sure. Uh, well, we don't subscribe. The person that I hired is not a traditional ABA therapist, which is uh, something that I personally and professionally feel is of more benefit. So this person is really well-versed in um, her niche is any kind of meltdown or challenging behaviors. I think OTs are able to, it's within our wheelhouse to address that. Uh, and a really solid SLP and physio as well. I hired Sarah because she's better at it than I am. <laughs> and she's better at it than most of us are. And again, if I find somebody that can represent my brand and also help people get to the next level, as you would say in Kara land, that's what I want to do. So we have them on a lot of our contracts. We also have Sarah act as a parent coach for kids that are having real behavioral challenges. And we actually have that packaged as a monthly high-end package. So for almost $1,900, a family can sign up to work with Sarah for the month. And that is like 20, we call it our 24 access with a life policy where Sarah is available by Voxer, by Skype, by Zoom, by phone for parents after building them a behavior plan and teaching them about, you know, connection and attunement and then moving on to some really great behavior strategies for kids that parents are just feel like they're out of control. And that accessibility to her, that ability to get her on the phone, we only take through packages 
we only sell three of those packages a month for Sarah and typically we're full. It's a great way to really get to the heart of our clients' problems right away. And they're grateful for it. Yeah, that's awesome. How how yeah. long have you been offering that kind of package? Since last year. Oh. One of the things that I realized, interestingly enough, was we had Sarah on our teams. And when she's on like a, a traditional school care team or a traditional team that comes through the government, she just blows everybody out of the water. Her skill set is second to none. And yet we found that the private clients weren't accessing her in the same way. And even though she's less expensive than OT. So we found that there was something that was preventing families from picking up the phone and calling Sarah, even though Sarah loves to work in the moment and in crisis, it's one of her strengths, not mine, by the way. And (laughs) so I was like, if you guys have a problem and you have a kid that's having a meltdown and Sarah says, show me a video, but literally pick up the phone and they're not, what's stopping them? So I thought it might be that hourly clock in their brain going like, my kid's having a meltdown. I'm under stress already. Do I really want to pick up the phone and call Sarah and watch the meter start to click? So I just spun it on a, not on a whim, kind of on a whim. Who's kidding who? I read something. It's all whim about packaging things differently. And I thought, well, I wonder if we sell her availability and we just do a flat rate if families would actually access the service more. Because that's what we want. We want families to have healthier, happier kids. And it completely worked. And it was very in alignment with how Sarah wanted to work anyway. So it worked really nicely for everybody. That's awesome. So do you do other packages for other services? We haven't yet. We might change. We might change. One of the things that's happened post quarantine is that we've had a number of people that have called and asked us to decrease our rates, which I won't do. We can get into that later if you want. Right. Yeah. So my philosophy is twofold. It's, is there a way that we can add value? So for to use Sarah as a great example, some of these families haven't had any behavior strategy yet. And so I've said to Sarah, can you offer them a 20 minute phone call? I'll pay you, but we won't charge them, right? But I'm not going to change the rates. And then the second thing we've done is we've offered some packages for sale. Like if you buy six, then we'll give you a 10% discount. But we're just starting, we're just starting to toy with that. Have you, do you do telehealth? Oh Yeah. Okay. And did you do telehealth before this? Not really. We have um, a a unique contract with the government of Canada. We're one of the very few people in Alberta that have it. And it's a contract called Jordan's Principle for those that are interested in learning more about it. And it's a contract that exists where it's for children that identify as what we call First Nations here or Indigenous person. And they, uh, it's paid for by the government uh, of Canada and through the government of Alberta, but we have gone to reserves and gone to different bands in a few different provinces under that. And then we've done some Zoom follow-up, but that was really pushing it in like 2016, 17, 18, right? So I could hold that up and say we had experience, but not really. That was just a nice way for us to be able to follow through on some of the on the ground training that we did with families and healthcare workers there. But yeah, we're in it now. So how was that with that transition? I mean, did it go, did you move it pretty quickly or was it slow? Was it easy? We moved it it really, really quickly. I would say we've lost, hmm, I'd have to crunch the numbers. Obviously in the first two weeks, like that last two weeks of March, we lost at least 70% of our clientele. I felt like everybody had a very good reason and the reasons were across the board. I don't know what you found Kara mm-hmm. or other people out there have found, but I felt like there was a lot of parents that were obviously worried about money. Right. Um, the government contracts also gave parents permissions to put a stop on the clock so that if you had a 
let's say the Jan 1 contract 20 to 21, they would allow you just to put a hold on it and wait until your family was at more capacity. Uh, people were worried about paying, paying privately. Um, people also, a lot of families, some families felt that their child wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't be as a service to them. Specifically, like the people that I heard that from again and again were uh, parents of kids that have pretty low functioning autism. And a lot of these families are lifers and they are, it's not their first kick at the can with their child with autism. And so they've had a lot of parent coaching and they right. felt like that wasn't a model that they wanted right now. What we found though, in the last two weeks is more people have come back because I think families also in general, if they weren't able to even vocalize it, just felt at capacity. Right. Right. Oh yeah. It's just been such a whirlwind the last few few weeks have you do you do groups or are you all individual we're individual I'm not a mm, how am I going to answer that question we have done summer camps oh okay what I found for summer camps is there's a whole lot of work that goes into building a group and I didn't mm, gosh this is a good question let me try to niche down my answer summer camps existed not so that we could run groups Summer camps existed because it's much quieter in our business in July and August. Mm -hmm. But because we're really high end and because we're very boutique experience and we have, you know, high touch points with all our clients, it's not an easy service to onboard. And I hire very, I'm very picky about who I hire. So the other thing that we were finding previous to this shift to telehealth was that parents said they wanted groups, but then they could never come because you have to do a group at a specific time. Right. And we're not really the fine motory type of people. We're a lot right. more about that one-on-one. Let's work with what we've got. Let's analyze activity for your kid and their emotional regulation, which personally I feel has translated beautifully to telehealth because I don't need to get them scissors and beads and right. do any cutting. Like that's not who we are. Right? right. So it's a lot easier to work on self-regulation at home. And yet to do, to siphon groups through here, hasn't really been our thing because of it. Plus right. the other thing from a business perspective that I've learned is that do what you do well and keep doing it well. And that's one of the things I'm going to talk about in our tips. Okay. As forward. I'm always looking for opportunity to broaden our services. And yet I, I'm not willing to kind of um, chase down ideas. Like there has to be really good evidence for me now mm-hmm. that that's going to be a very impactful ideas for families. And because of the kind of service we deliver, I don't think so. I don't think that's okay. our service. How about will you continue with telehealth now? Probably. Okay. I'm finding personally as a parent, and I don't know about you or the other parents out there, but there's something delicious about not having to drive my kids to soccer practice. <laughs> <laughs> and trust me, I want my kids to go to soccer. Um, <laughs> but I find that that time that I've gained in my family life and my personal life and that kind of calm peace that we're just not racing around anymore is invaluable. So I really feel that this gives us another option. I think as a pediatric therapist, it's all about connection and attunement. So I can't imagine that going away. Um, And in fact, in one of the neighboring provinces in Canada, next to me in Alberta called Saskatchewan, they're opening up on May 4th, which is very rare for Canada. Like Canada's on super heavy lockdown, but Saskatchewan is like four cases and it's very rural. But I'm talking to another pediatric clinic owner in one of the major cities there. They need to be in full PPE to open up. And we were like, who's going to want to treat a kid? How is that going to serve that kid? 
Right. Exactly. PPE, that's like, that's like the, the scary people from like ET. Remember years yep. ago with the like masks and like, that was supposed to be scary. Spielberg made them look scary. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, like, of course I want to get the hands on and I want to use our sensory gym and I have get that itch in my hands to really lay my hands on a kid and be right there with them. But I think right. we're definitely going to continue to offer it as an option for parents that just don't even want to, you know, haul through the traffic anymore. I was talking to a pediatric therapist last week and she had mentioned that she actually feels like telehealth has been almost working better for her in the ways of more parent involvement and more parent engagement. Are you doing the same thing? Yeah. I actually was on a zoom meeting with some clinicians last week and they were talking about how much prep they were doing. And I felt like the odd man out because I don't do that much prep. Um, because of the way that we approach our families. And so one of my very favorite ways to start, it's classic activity analysis and parent coaching. So I say to them, go get me your favorite toy. And they're like, oh my gosh. And they bring me the Nerf gun and you're like, who? <laughs> so you've got the kids and the family's goals in your head. And you're like, how am I going to use a Nerf gun to achieve that? Or they take the iPad around the house and they show me where they're sitting for their homeschooling, or they show me what things they have. Like mom and dad kept saying, I don't understand how we're going to add vestibular to our day. And then they had a tramp in the backyard and a boasting ball in the basement. And I was like, (laughs) done. Right. Yeah. But they didn't tell me that that was because of the tour. So for sure. And I have found originally there were families because how families, my children are teens, they're older, how families are coping with work and homeschooling and therapy blows my mind. I don't know how they're doing that. We're counseling all our families to like go for hikes and like bake right. with your kids. Right. Everybody's going to be fine. Right. But that's more my style anyways. Yeah. Um, but we, um, and originally right at the beginning, parents were like setting the six-year-old up with the iPad and then going away to do their work. And happily, we found that wasn't working. And I say happily because mom and dad, it at first it was tough to say, I know it's another thing on your to-do list, please join us. But what we're finding is these children are just changing faster. Right. right. Parents are valuing the service more because they are right there. They were always there in the clinic with us, but there's something different about that very intensive telehealth experience for that's been our experience. Well, I can just envision a combination approach where you do do the at home so you can get a good sense of what's going on in the home, their favorite toys, their, what they have in the environment. And then you can more easily incorporate that and say, you know, that spot in your home. So we've always asked parents to send videos. Like that's always been an option. Oh, and the awesome. follow-through has always been poor. Yeah. And whether it's just the societal shift that's now being made, I don't know. Or maybe everybody was busy, so they didn't. But right. now again, we're doubling down on that value so that I think we can really convince families going forward that maybe we do the first couple sessions on telehealth. Yeah. Da da da. Haven't figured it out yet. That's my uh that's my June plan. <laughs> oh, that's awesome though. But I mean, yeah, so some good things are coming out of this. I mean, you, would you have done telehealth right then and there if this oh, hadn't no. come, you know, and now no. you're seeing some good things from it. So I would have, I would have fought tooth and nail against it because of the attunement and the connection piece. Right. right. Tooth and nail against it. Plus I, 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 I pay rent on a 1700 square foot classic building for a reason. 
Right. Yeah. And I chose this as opposed to like a, you know, office in a strip mall or something in a medical building. Like there's nothing medical model about this place at all. And so the actual four walls and the garden and the front porch and the park across the street all speak to who we are as a clinic. So our physical location and our branding is tied in together. And so I would have been like, why would we take one of our biggest assets, which is our clinic? Because parents know who we are the minute they pull up to the door. Oh yeah, I'm sure. And so I'm guessing you use the park across the street, the garden and everything you have. Yeah, there's chalk drawings all over the clinic walls and we've had PD meetings on the front porch and teens that are learning IADLs. We like walk across the 7-Eleven across the street and then go into our kitchen to bake. Like it's ideal. It is awesome. Yeah. And so, and yet we pivot and we find a way. Right. I've had, when I was um, the academic fieldwork coordinator, I had one place I sent students and it was a pediatric clinic that they started in a home as well. Yes. And it just had, I mean, does not sound like your home by any means. <laughs> it just had some neat benefits to it and the things they could do with it. So, yes. so yeah, awesome. Okay, well, let's jump back because I mean, you said you started it in 2015. Mm-hmm. When did you first have an idea you wanted to start a business or mm-hmm. have a business? So... In short, I took a lot of time off as a mother, which I highly recommend if that is your way. That was always my plan. And then it came time to go back to work. And I found myself in a orientation class with a bunch of students or other colleagues who were the same age as the students that I was teaching at the university, because I had the university still happening, even though I wasn't a clinician. And I think it was the best year because they treated all of us quite carefully. And there was like a great, you know, renewal. Some of these therapists hadn't even written their exam yet. They were provisional. And it was lovely onboarding for me because I'd been away from clinical for years and years and years and years. Right. Where my friends didn't even know I was an OT. And, um, but what was really interesting is that tension between me being, uh, I don't know how old I was, 43, and everybody else in the class being like 25. (laughs) And the, the people that I was working for, our bosses and our managers were younger than me too. And so I had this weird tension of having had a load of experience because I had worked for like 10, I can't do math on the fly, maybe 10 years, eight years before I had my children and also having an old brain and a mature, different kind of outlook. And then spending a lot of time at that clinical job, which I loved, but spending a lot of time going, Oh, I wonder why they do it that way. Gee, I think I might do that a different way. And I had never considered myself to be anything but a worker bee. I didn't ever consider myself to be an entrepreneur of any sort. And then I quickly, as parents, this was in school care. So as parents asked me, well, I'd like extra OT and where's the, you know, private practices in town. It was also a new city for me. I'd only been living in Calgary for two years and I went to my bosses and they're like, well, there's not a lot. And I was like, so the very short version is I kind of kept thinking it bubbled up. It wasn't even thoughts. It was like thoughts in my chest. I kept thinking, there's got to be a better way of doing this. 
there's got to be a better way of doing that. There's got to be a better way of doing that. And so I went to my bosses with this idea to start a private practice. And I just said, listen, if this doesn't work out, can I come back? <laughs> because I have this idea and I think it might work, but it doesn't have I done a good enough job. And I think just being that transparent and open. And, right. I said, sure. and then they handed me like six clients that had been looking for private practice. Oh, awesome. Because it was all based in the schools at that point. Right, so, right. And then it just took off within a couple of months. I had like a full caseload and hired somebody else. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. So in those few months, what some what were some of the things you had to do to get it going? And Everything. I found it. Did you know room. it? I mean, did you know how to do it or how did you make it happen? I didn't know how to do anything. <laughs> I don't ever pretend to know how to do anything because I think being that transparent and I see that in the next little group, you promote that a lot. Like this is the most, this is the biggest yep. joy to me of the last five, six years is that I'm actually a really good business person, but I'm not a typical business person. And if that's the thing that we can teach healthcare professionals, that you actually don't have to be the typical MBA or the typical person Mm -hmm. in the glass tower down the street to actually be successful and to be just authentic and aligned. And like when my accountants would call me and they're like, well, the P&L, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't even know what that is. (laughs) And at first I would feel tons of shame about that. I was just talking to an OT coaching client just before this call about the same thing. And what started to happen was as I got more um, successful, then I'd be like, Oh, my way works. My way works. And I still want to dive into the research and I still want to dive into the business practices that are developed outside of OT, but huh, I can just be me and actually be a business person. Right. So I didn't know anything. I rented a teeny room and I literally remember like the first time somebody was like, okay, so when do I get my invoices? I was like, invoices. (laughs) Good question. (laughs) I had enough really neat people on my, that just come to me. Like I tend to attract that kind of person anyways, as my client. And I don't, I'm not embarrassed to be like, huh, I'll get back to you. And then I was like on word, like, (laughs) and they're like, how much? I was like, "Mm, I don't know. Like, it was all awesome. I love it. And if you look at alignment, like if it works to me, it said that I was on something and then I just kept going. Right, right. Oh, that's so awesome. I love it. That's a great story. Oh, so in thinking of all of that, you obviously have great tips to share for all of the different practitioners, OTs and beyond that want to start their own um, therapy business. What are some of those tips you have? So it was really hard to drop it down to five because uh, <laughs> I wanted it to be like inspirational and practical because uh, I think that's a really good meld of how to lead healthcare practitioners. I see it in your group all the time. Yeah. Um So the first one is really akin to what we just spoke about. And I didn't coin this phrase, but the phrase is that fist on the table moment. Um, It's coined by a person in Canada called Terry O'Reilly, and he's a marketer and salesperson that has podcasts and books. And I think it's universal for those of us that wanted to start something when you just like go, oh, there's got to be a better way. And all businesses have started from that. And if you don't have that, you're hooped. Because that's the only thing that gets you up in the morning. Right, right. It's the same kind of dedication that people have to their pets 
and their yep. children. <laughs> There's plenty of times like Karen, you know, you were saying, oh, life got busy last night with your family. Yep. If you didn't truly believe in those kids, oh, I'm going to make these kids happy and resilient. Yep. <laughs> then you'd be like, yeah, I'm going to take the day off today from parenting. <laughs> right. Or being a pet owner or right. being a business owner. So if you don't feel that, if it's not the biggest burning desire, if it's just like, this might be a good way to make money. No, don't do it. I love Cause it. that's the only thing that's going to keep you going. Right. Cause even right. though you think, you know how much work it's going to be. You don't <laughs> No idea. Make that times a hundred and you'll still be wrong. Yep. So you have to believe in it. And there's plenty of times where you exist. It's just you, you're a solopreneur for a long time and you're the only person that's going to, like I saw kids on Saturdays, every Saturday, for eight, um, maybe a year and, and no, maybe six months. And then I shifted it to every other Saturday. And I was the only person on the road in January at seven in the morning in minus <laughs> 30 degree weather. Oh man. Because I believed in it. Right. And that's right. why my clients wanted to see me at that point. And I was like, I can fill that niche because no one right. else is going to get up. <laughs> um, so that's my number one, that fist on the table moment. Um, the number two is niche down. Yes. I'm glad you said that. We've been talking a lot about that. Awesome. Yeah. Wait to hear what you have to say. Well, I first learned that concept in learning more about being a, a therapist in the virtual world. And I kept thinking it didn't relate to bricks and mortar, but it totally does. Mm-hmm. So originally I tried to be everything to everybody and fine motor is a classic example, not to slag on fine motor. There's people that love it. It's just not what I love to do. And it's not my area. Of, like I just, I get those articles and I'm like, okay, cool. Like it just doesn't jazz me. Yep. And so, but I tried to be everything like to your point about groups, to your point about, you know, to my point about fine motor, um, just across the board. And what started to happen was, and the reason that I recommend it is because when you start to niche down and do something that you love, you do better work for those people and they are going to get better results. Right. And then they love you. You love you. (laughs) Cause you're like, this is literally my wheelhouse. Right. And then they go tell everybody else about their positive experience. And it's also like the other thing specifically with OT, speech and physios and other um, healthcare professionals, I don't think have this challenge. Nobody knows what an OT is. So they're not going to say it's how many times has anybody looked to anybody else and said, we require the services of an OT. And they'll say, I have just the OT. Like that does not happen. (laughs) That happens with speech all the time. And it happens with physio all the time. But they're saying, my kid is out of control. And they're like, ooh, that's spring OT. Or my kid literally can't get to school because they can't put on clothes. Or my kid can't go to the movies because they can't handle the sound and these sensory parents start to find each other and then they recommend us right so um that I would have done that sooner yeah is there anything that I missed in that that you've told your crowd about that 
the crazy thing is, is literally yesterday I was having a phone call with my personal coach and, you know, he said many of the same things you're saying right now. And even in, not just in, you know, your own business that you're running, but in all of the different things you're doing, because sometimes, and I'm a good example, I try to do so many different things and I, you know, and you're not able to really focus and that's not really your main wheelhouse there. So um, you burn out faster and the clients don't have as positive an experience. Like it's literally a no brainer. It's not just about the client and it's not just about you. It's literally both. And when you get that in sync, it's like, then, you know, you've had those experiences where you're like, that didn't even feel like a work day. Right. Right. So if you can market that and do that kind of work and people will, react to that. And then they'll become these little converts, these little converts that are like, Oh, I love what Kara does. But it's scary to say no. And it's scary to think about giving away that money. Mm -hmm. And it's scary to, and I just have to keep reminding myself, like, those are not our people. Right. Right. And I'll tell you who that therapist is. Hi, thanks for calling. Not, not our people. Yep. Nope. Go down the road. Someone else. Yep. I know. I just sent someone else to a couple other people. I'm like, Nope, not what I do. I have to be better at that. But same thing in like my mobile business. So I work with older adults. And when yep. I first started, I was like, oh, I'll do it all. Peds to geriatrics. I'll hire someone to do peds. I'll do the geriatrics. And uh, then through all of the training and mentoring, they're like, no, you need to niche down. And it has worked so well because that's our area. No, I don't treat everyone. I don't treat every adult. People know my area. That's who I get calls for on a regular basis with those older adults in the community. And that's who I love. And those are the ones where you go to work and you love it, you know? So, but no, that's awesome. I love it. So happy you mentioned that one. Perfect. Good. Good. Good Um, I'm looking at my list here. I've scratched out number three and put a new one. Oh yeah. Um, Get the right people on the bus. And that's not a Trisha expression either. Basically, I just like, you know, Nick sayings from everybody else and crib sayings and thoughts from everybody else and just make them into the Trish funnel. Um, (laughs) And that's from, I think, Jim Collins, who wrote the business book, Good to Great, which is really seminal. And I had- Because we used it in my my OTD. That was one of the books we read. And then my the chair of our program always talked about, you need to get the right people on the bus. Yeah. And again, that's very opposite thinking it's the same thinking as niching down because I'm just so grateful that um, I have an OT that wants to work with me, or I'm just so grateful that there's a bookkeeper that I can afford, or I'm just so grateful that, um, you know, there is a marketing person that wants to handle my teeny tiny little job. And it's tiring when you're an action person like you are, Kara, Um, (laughs) you know, it, and I guess I am, it's tiring. Well, not tiring. It is unnatural to want to stop to get the right person on the bus and then to kick the wrong person off the bus. Right. Right. And we're OT. So we're used to adapting everything. And a lot, most of us are women and most of us are helpers. We're like classic Enneagram twos that are like, I'll help. I'll help. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a helper. I'm a therapist. Helper. <laughs> and that it's okay if you're late. Oh no, you want, I wanted that thing done yesterday, but it's not done till Friday. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Like it doesn't work. And again, very similar to niching. It's literally like, this is where the woo comes in. It's literally like there's an alignment between having 
And I don't mean even people that you hire, like to work as a therapist on your senior services. It's literally like your accountant. Right. Yeah. I take that the next step further to like your best friend or your parent or your partner. Like if you can't talk to those people without them being really positive and not dragging you down and being really negative, like be constructive. Right. And there's some people I just don't talk to business about because I know they don't care. Yeah. Or they're going to be really fear-based and they're going to be like, Ooh, really? You're going to go on Kara Welke's thing like after you have a full work day and then like more to do, you should definitely not do that because you need all day to prepare. And you're like, or not. (laughs) (laughs) So by getting the right people on the bus, you just, it's a flow, right? And you get more work done with the right people on the bus, even in that pausing and planning to hire and onboard and offboard than just making do. And right. uh, when you have that experience, you know you have it. So I use the experience of my accountant all the time. I had an accountant that I was using personally, and then I realized I needed a second accountant, and it was somebody that was recommended, and I just didn't really like them. And again, like, gosh, I don't have time for this. Right. But when I got the third accountant on board, I just became me. And I could ask them really stupid questions. And they also have a lot of accessibility, which is something that I need. And then lo and behold, when COVID hits, like in that, they've been my accountant now for a couple of years. Um, And I'm just using COVID as an example of the payoff. There's been plenty of payoffs with using them prior, but they're literally like, I can just be like, Hey, it's Trish Williams, your client that doesn't even know anything about like, where do I go to apply for that loan? I know (laughs) it's an email, but I don't really get it. Right. And I don't have to be embarrassed because they just huge. for who I am. That's huge. I think I need that accountant. <laughs> They're excellent. I don't know. If I, went through, I went through one. Yeah. And now I'm on my number two. Yeah. That my number two is better than my number one, but yeah. And it's, and you don't it's so important to have the right people on the bus. Yeah, because then I also, and here's the other thing. So then because my accountants are so valuable and the the bookkeeper that they have with me, um, she's actually turned out to be a great friend. Who knew? Like a real friend, like hangs out with me. Yeah. Uh, But my point being, I, then I got two years ago when I sat down to really get on top of my profitability goals, I realized that I needed to give myself a bootcamp. And so I called my bookkeeper and my accountant to say, could we meet like every week? for the first like September and October so that I actually really a hundred percent know what you guys are trying to tell me. And I leveled up because I felt so comfortable and so happy with their services prior. And they just allowed me to be me. And then they got more money. And then I asked way better questions. Right. And then I nailed it down to once a month but it's just this amazing dance of give and take and everybody's, and this accountant works just with female entrepreneurs. Small. Oh, she really? Left, yeah. She left being a partner at KPMG to like work with female small business. So I'm like, Oh, awesome. So yeah. it pays off in ways that you don't expect. And it's not just COVID. It's like, I would have never had the guts to go if I had like an account that worked in one of those fancy high towers downtown to be like, I don't really understand a balance sheet, even though I've seen it a million times. So could we meet every single week? (laughs) You'll 
teach me, I never would have said that to the wrong person on the bus. Right. Well, and it's just so powerful how, I mean, you're showing too, how important it is, is to advocate for yourself and know when you need to learn more and know that you need to invest more in yourself and do that. I mean, that's awesome. That comes with time. That comes when you like leave that hustle feeling that I love to specialize in and go to that scaling of like, I'm actually planning things now. Right. Right. (laughs) Because my goals are getting even tighter and I'm not going to get underpaid anymore. So I better figure out what's happening with my numbers as an example to then ensure that I can make some really fun pivots to get paid more. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Great. Okay. Number four uh, is increase your prices. Love that. How about, how about when you start? That's what I mean. Like, don't like, as soon as you remember me with that first invoice, like, oh, I'll type it with my four fingers and like, then give them a number like that number should have been higher. Guaranteed. I, I will make a blanket statement and I will stand by it that almost every single person listening to this right now is charging is undercharging. Oh, I, I, I was Sunday morning. I was having a call with, with someone, um, actually a physical therapist. And, um, this client was determined that he was going to start off charging $80 a visit going to people's homes. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. I'm like, no, I'm like, good gravy. Medicare pays more than that for an hour visit at their home, you know? But I mean, but he just kept going on. Well, no, I want to be the one that is affordable. Right. Well, and I think, did he also talk about, did you say he had just started? Looking at starting, wanting to start. So again, I think that's normal because you think also that you aren't, don't have value. So you don't want to overcharge people when you're just starting out. Right. And it's just incorrect. So I have, I could talk about this for, this is literally one of my favorite topics. Um, I feel that as a whole, you devalue the entire profession. And that ticks me off now. <laughs> I know. Before I didn't even, I was like, oh, you do you. And now I'm like, no. I know. You're cutting me off at the knees, person that I've never met in <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> Darn you. Um, so you, and again, it's really that Enneagram to helper, helper, helper. And we are almost taught that like making money and being a capitalist is bad. And I come from Canada people. Like (laughs) I am am like born into socialism. (laughs) So, um, and like we have universal healthcare. So people don't even, aren't even used to spending money. So trying to get a bunch of Canadians to pay for stuff is like bananas. (laughs) Uh, If I can do it, y'all can do it. Right. So, um, but so you, I think that you, there's the fear that no one's going to hire you. So you, you decrease your price, which is, as I said, bad for the profession as a whole. And you're also people, people buy what they value and price is way down the list. Right. Right. Like I am wearing my favorite scarf right now that most people can't see. And this scarf costs a lot of money. It's Tory Burch. It feels like a million bucks. It's not a million dollars, but like, this is an expensive scarf. And, but what you don't know about me is that I wear scarves all the time. I'm in short sleeves 
but I wear a scarf because I just, just get cold. I just wear a lot of scarves because it keeps me warm, but I don't have to wear a sweater and I don't like that bulky feeling. Right. And I have a load of scarves and I live in Canada where it's still not great out. And this is like a really high quality wool. And I don't, anything synthetic just makes me sweat. And like, you don't care, but I'm going on and on because I care. Right. And so I'm going to pay. And by the way, I wear the scarf at least twice a week. And I'm going to tell you, Kara, if you ask me how much the scarf costs right now, I wouldn't be able to tell you. I have no idea. I don't remember because it doesn't matter. Right. I was looking and this is a little pop of color because I always wear black and gray. <laughs> and in Canada, color is like, what's happening? It's January. We're not, well, you two and the Kodos, right? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a hundred other decisions that went into why I bought this scarf and price was way down the list. I also value my time. So I'm not going to hunt for the scarf on sale. I don't care. I hunted for the right scarf. And as soon as I saw it, I bought it. And that is the way that people make purchasing decisions. And if we don't believe that in healthcare, then I think you've got it wrong. And I think if you don't believe it, like I have one of the members on my team here at the clinic and she's like, nope, nope, nope. I always look for sales and I, oh, I can't afford it. People can't afford it. They can't afford it. And I'm like, sorry, but you are going to have to work on your mindset because that's not true. Right. Right. And I think we can all relate to that. And again, the price doesn't matter. I'm not going to, the dollar value doesn't matter what some piece, a person might think that a $30 scarf is expensive or a $700 scarf. It doesn't matter, but people say they can't afford it, but you can always afford something. And it's how you choose to spend your money. Like I don't spend a ton of money on organic food because to me, it doesn't hold a lot of value, but my neighbor, she gets organic food delivered to her house every day because that's valuable to her. And that's fine. And she and I won't see eye to eye on that. And who cares? I don't need her to. Right. So And then the third point is, because I could talk about this forever and then I'll wrap up to go to fifth point. My other point of this is that, so price doesn't matter. And what people pay for, they actually put their attention towards. So if this was a $30 scarf and I lost it, I'd be like, oh, darn, love that scarf. I'm going to look in the car. I'm going to look in my purse. I'm going to look in the closet. Bummer. But if I lose whatever this scarf costs, hundred dollars or a couple hundred dollars, I'd be like, I'm finding that scarf. <laughs> I'm going to wear that scarf a whole bunch again and I'm going to hang it up and I'm going to fold it. I'm going to roll it in the good place in my closet. And that's what, if we are in the business of transforming people, which we are, and you went into it for a reason. Like I always tease with people that complain about our rates at the clinic. I'm like, yeah. I didn't go into this to like drive a Porsche, (laughs) drive a Porsche, be good. Like, I don't care, but that's not why any of us, I tease like those dads that are like the oil and gas dads. And I'm like, yeah, I went into this for the fame and the money. (laughs) And then I kind of go, Ooh, (laughs) like I kind of take them a bit off guard, but um, you know, we're helpers and we want to help, but people value what they pay for and you will get more transformation. And I explain to parents often that like, I cost a lot, but you'll be here less. And I'm going to teach you how to think like me. And then that's your discharge plan. Bye. Right. Right. Those are, that's why I get all hot under the collar about pricing. That's no, I love it. And that was a perfect timing. I think I'm going to send this podcast 
to the person I was talking to. This okay, is good. you can listen to Trish on this. This That's is awesome. 30 minutes fast <laughs> listen to Trish. Oh. Um, okay. And then I think the last thing, because uh, I'm conscious of time, is that and something I definitely didn't do right away and encourage everybody to do is to listen. It's it's both ask questions and listen to the feedback from your ideal client really soon. Because what I want you to do is I want you to open a Google Doc or something on your Trello board or your Asana board or whatever. And I want you to write marketing copy from clients. And you're literally going to hear when you start listening with your third ear, why they came to you and what the benefits were. And you're going to start to then see themes and you're going to be able to use these themes in your sales calls, in your marketing copy. When you, you know, that person stops you on the street and they're like, Hey, I just saw you come out of spring OT. What do you do there? Because you we're afraid as helpers to ask that question like a business person would right away. Like we don't have market focus groups. I didn't do much due diligence before I just jumped into doing this. I teach right. like I'm not a marketer, but right. if you start and it's scary to say to the family, like, or your client or the people that buy your products. So what do you like about using my seatbelt extender? Or why did you choose us over somebody else? Or what is it that you like the most? And then you start, there really will be themes. There's going to be like three or four. And if you start thinking like strategically in that right away, then you're going to be able to speak more like your ideal client and you're going to be able to get to the right people. And that, again, it's like that cycle. Then they come in and they're happy and Bob's your uncle. But it took me like a good year before I started hearing the same things from people. And I sure as heck didn't feel safe enough to ask Right. Like, I'm barely holding it together and don't know how to do an invoice. You want me to ask you what you like about my <laughs> services? Like, are you nuts? And it doesn't have to be formal. It doesn't have to be survey right. monthly being sent after. It can be like, hey, you know, when they say, oh, we just had the best session. You're like, great. What was it? Yeah. Find out what. Why? Where so, I told my neighbor to come to you. Oh, what is it that you told your neighbor? Like, what is it? Tell me more about that. Because if you love something, it's not selling it. If your customer loves what you're doing and you ask them questions about it, they're just going to blab on and on about how right. great it is. It's like this scarf, right? Right. So um, if I had started a really strategic column and listened for copy, that would have saved me a lot of time going right. forward. And it's interesting you bring that up too, because I don't know if it was last week or a couple weeks um, on, so I have a few different coaches Yes. Um, on one of my coaching calls he, that's really one thing he told me to do. He's like with, um, with our therapy business builder program, he's yep. like, I want you to find out with each one of them. Exactly. Why did they, why did they sign up yep. with the therapy business builder program? And then after they've been in it, going through it, then I want you to ask them, what did they get out of this program or how, you know, you know, so you can look at that correlation. Why is people coming in? What did they end up getting out from it? Um, and it's been really interesting looking yeah. at, at those questions. But you talking about that just made me think about that too, that we need to be doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And so. there's a difference when somebody's discharged or somebody's finished buying your product 
I find that you have to get a bit more formal follow-up that way because it's harder right. to reach them. But in the moment, and if they keep coming back and if they keep calling your customer service line and if they come back and buy another seatbelt extender, right. I just got something out of my head. That sounds um, you know, like figure out right then and there and why. And if they, it's scary, it makes you a lot more vulnerable because they might say, well, you're the only joint in town or I'm not actually happy with it, but I feel like I have no other option <laughs> or whatever. But, you know, nine times out of 10, you're going to, well, 10 times out of 10, you're going to hear something of value. Because right. if you exactly. negative stuff, then you're going to constructively change it. Right. And yet, even in the beginning, they're coming to you for a reason. Yep. So figure out what that is. Awesome. Fabulous tips. Thank you so much. Now, sure. tell me about your summit before. I know I've taken over your time since I've been late, but if you could no, no. give me a little spiel about the summit you guys yeah, have yeah. coming up. Yeah. So um, in the, you know, typical Trish Williams fashion, which is also the Carrie Welke fashion of like <laughs> not niching down maybe, or like yep, yep, I know. 800 things. So yep. one of the things that I kept finding is I, I went to last summer is I went to switch, pardon me. I went to add a new product, which was adding some virtual um, experiences to the spring occupational therapy clinic. So, you know, people would say, call me from Kansas and they'd be like, how do we, toilet? I'm a teacher. How do I toilet train my kid with autism in the classroom or all these ideas. And I was like, we need to build a few courses. And so I started researching that, but what quickly wound up happening was that any group that I was in started asking me questions. And it also reminded me that I had been doing a lot of coaching unofficially for like the psychologist that I shared a space with, or my friend that's an SLP or whatever, and never charging and not really putting anything formal around it. And then I quickly realized that was getting traction because I was listening with my third ear, right? Right. Uh, used to it now. And I was like, wait, I'm actually getting more traction as a person who's enthusiastic about entrepreneurship in the healthcare space than I am about people wanting me to build a course for spring OT toilet training. <laughs> oh, I'm going to make a pivot. And so with that, um, I can't believe how passionate I am about that. And I know you are too, Kara. Right. And I, I felt it was really scary to kind of jump out of the clinical and all of a sudden rep as a business ex expert. Um, and yet that's what happens once you just put one foot in front of the other for the last six years. And you're like, Ooh, I actually did something and people can benefit from it. Um, and so one of the offerings that I have is an OT Entrepreneur Summit. And I think we came up with our ideas to do summits at almost the exact same time. I, I know. Know, I know. Maybe next year we can join forces. Maybe. And do a big well, and you know what? One mammoth summit. Because everybody gets triggered and everybody's like, oh, they're going to go to Care Summit. They're not going to go to our summit. <laughs> um, and everybody gets triggered and that's normal. But really what it speaks to is, isn't it incredible that something like a year ago, there was no summits. No. No. And so all of a sudden it seems, yeah, like all these healthcare business leaders are stepping up to the plate. And again, I love the physios, but the physios have been kicking butt and taking names in this space, like Greg Todd for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And I like always say hashtag love you physios, but it's our turn. Right. And so this summit that I'm running is specifically for OTs. And it's for OT entrepreneurs. And yep. Laura Park Figueroa is doing it with me. And she's got the Mind Your OT Business podcast, which is just phenomenal. And we yep. all, the three of us, share that same passion. Yep. Um, so we are, it's an online summit. It's, uh, we're delivering, I think there's 16 speakers and we're getting really actionable. We call it very curated, very actionable of how you can grow your business. Yep. Um, 
and we have people talking about, you know, we saw some overlap in what you were delivering, like, yep. you know, how to build a membership site and, you know, what, how to build a strategic plan and how to use storytelling and marketing and what you should do for social media. Um, I think we have less speakers than you did. Again, we're niching down a bit, yep. but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we want everybody to be uh, both inspired and have action to go to the, to, you know, build their build their practice. Right. We're calling it like expert secrets from people that you've had and followed or that have had success. The people that you'd want to sit down and have lunch with yeah. uh, to That's find out awesome. how they did it. And really we're just pulling the, like the Wizard of Oz, we're just pulling the curtain away to be like, they're just people like you. Yep. Just get some stuff you want to do. So yep. here they are. Um, and our wait list is open and we're launching uh, the cart for registration on May 1st, which is only in a couple of days. So the encouragement yeah. to get on the wait list is because then you get um, access to early bird pricing. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. It, it's crazy because, well, first of all, two summits I know. in the whole world, I know. it's no big deal. I know. But OT world, we're so uh, small. Exactly. And it just so happens that, yeah, I mean, absolutely love Laura, everything about Laura. Um, we actually have been communicating for quite a, I don't know how long, um, but we actually met face-to-face at um, conference in New Orleans. So that would have been yeah. last April, I think. Okay. And that is, I'm pretty sure, and Laura was actually one of my first podcasts, but I think that was one of the first time when Laura's like, Hey, I'm starting my own podcasts. Yeah. And she was gung ho. And we were, we met, there was a group of us who met because we were like, we need stuff for, yeah, they're like the meetup, the entrepreneur yeah. meetup or the podcast yeah. meetup. Yep. And, um, she was also actually one of the first ones I messaged when, so at that AOTA conference was when I went to the academic leadership committee or the leadership meeting, it's for all the program directors and academic clinical coordinators. And we met meet before the conference and got a great presentation on how OT's future is in entrepreneurship and so forth. And so like, I was the first one up to the podium, maybe not the first one, but I tried to be the first one. And I was (laughs) like, this is awesome because I hundred percent agree, but what's AOTA doing about it? Where are we at with this? You know? And one recommendation was to go find a good business conference, um, but they were going to work on it. So anyway, so met Laura, we visited, we met a couple other people, um, there. And then at SSPT live a couple months later, which again was a total fluke. I ever attended that because I had never even heard of Greg Todd or anyone before April. Um, I just saw what they had going and I was like messaging Laura. I'm like, we need to do this. Yeah. <laughs> what is, you know, but she has so much going on she and does. she has her thing. And yeah. like, there's enough for all of us. There really is out there. So, yeah. well, and it's the, the same more as the, like, the more the merrier, because, you know, if people like call me and I don't have time or my clinic bricks and mortar isn't in their neighborhood, or they want somebody that speaks Russian or whatever the case may be, like I, you know, happily send them along, but the right. more open clinics, the better. And the more of this, the better, because, you know, you and I are similar. We don't want, like, I would rather have learned all of this business stuff from an OT. Like I can just relate. Right. Right. And and I'm still the person that's going to go to the business section at, you know, chapters, yep. but um, 
wouldn't it be great if somebody could synthesize that for you as an OT that's had that experience? It's very tangible. And yeah, we're, you know, that abundance mindset piece just pays back in gold. And there are millions of OTs. Like we're getting, I got the coolest email yesterday from somebody that signed up and they, um, uh, they are actually, I went home and told my kids about this because it blew me away. I was like, wait, this is actually something. And I knew it was special to yep. build a something like what you're doing. Yep. All every offering that you have is so special. This new grad wrote me and they're from um, Uganda and they're starting a safari for people that have special needs. Oh, how and awesome. they're very excited about the summit because that'll help them. And I almost started to cry. Right. I was like, what? are you kidding me? Like something yeah. that we just decided to build because we had an interest and a passion is going to right. have people with special needs get on safari in Africa, like come on. And the right. more that all of us step up to the plate. And again, it's very similar. Like I don't want people dependent on me as a therapist. And I don't want people dependent on me as a business entrepreneur, um, OT entrepreneur, coach and summit person. Like I want all of those people to step up. Right. Yeah. That's, that's my biggest. So if I'm this little portal for that, and if the OT summit is a OT entrepreneur summit is a portal for those people to like, I can't wait for next year when we hear the stories that came from your summit and that, you know, we'll probably be doing it again where people are, where we really hear what happened after. Mm -hmm. I know that's, that's the fun part is the stories you get of, how I started this, how I have my own business, how I changed my job or, you know, that's, it's just so, so much, but yeah, I think, I mean, we live in a huge area. I mean, we have Canada, United States, all other countries, there's tons of us out there, but yeah, the abundance mindset and it's hard, you know, to start with. And, and I know we get a lot of slack on our group because we try not to promote, promote, or we don't let people come in and just advertise all their stuff. Yes. And I get a lot of slack because we we remove people and it's been tough. I've gotten lots of mean, nasty messages from people, um, you know, and how that's not that's not the right mindset. And my mindset is no, I'll, if you want to come in and talk to my group, you come in and talk and provide value and then they'll see how awesome you are. And then they'll come follow you. So but just coming in and sharing something isn't, you know, a post isn't the way to do it. Provide value. Exactly. You know, be on this podcast. I'll yeah. interview anybody. Be yeah. on this podcast. So, yeah. I mean, I hope that you have people calling you. I mean, we, we also need to talk about that. So you also do individual coaching. So not just the summit, but you do individual coaching. I do. So who would be the ideal person to come to you? So my favorite thing, and it's when, like, it was my aha moment of the last two years was when I actually stopped hustling and moved to scaling was when I actually found time to plan. And so anybody like it's, and it's, I'm thrilled for people who want to start something, but the ideal client will have done it for at least a year. And then they're the person that is saying to themselves, I can't work any more hours. I can't work any harder. What am I supposed to focus on? I know I've got a good idea, but I feel like I'm more out of control and more spinning than before. And I felt like that. And I still feel like that. Who's kidding who? But 
I mean, that person that's just in overwhelm and they need strategies, they need systems, they need processes. And I sound like an engineer and I'm no engineer, trust me. (laughs) But, you know, that ability to sit and build a strategic plan and track and build workflows and find out how to outsource anybody that just wants to move from that hustle to scale. And I tell a story because I was at um, like a fancy cocktail party and uh, a couple of years ago or two years ago when I figured this out or and one of my friends who's like gone to NSAAD for B-School in Paris and he's like a foundation in his name. Like he's a very successful businessman. And he said, so how's business? And he's so supportive and I could just be my hot mess self. And this was about the clinic. And I said, oh, you know, it's really great, but I find I'm much better at the starting. I can start anything. You know, I'm finding it really hard in this middle kind of gray area. The first two years were easier. And he said, he even gave me the language without even knowing it. He said, oh, so you're better at the hustle and you don't, you're, you're learning how to scale. And I pretended I held my wine glass. I was like, well, clearly, so skill, of course. (laughs) And I was like running home to like look up what happened. What, the, what does that mean? What does scaling mean? And the more time that I spend on scaling and understanding that I am no longer, if you're ready to stop thinking like a therapist and acting like a CEO, I'm your girl because that's when things just totally changed. You know, working right. in your business versus on your business, and that's exciting to me that I all of a sudden have this skill set that can help others. Literally, it's those, I had it this morning with one of my coaching clients. It's this, wait a minute, I know what you're doing now. I know how to do this. I can make really great decisions and, right. and it makes sense. So that's who I find the most alignment with. And that's, I think the people that get the most value. So that's yeah, awesome. I, do, um, I do monthly coaching. I have some um, high-end VIP days and then the summit. So yeah. Do you yeah. do do you do just individual calls or do you have so many visits that you like to have people schedule oh, out? I have both. Um, I, I'm not a fan of the individual calls primarily because it's like the equivalent of somebody coming into being a, a to being treated without doing an assessment. So I ask for a three month minimum and within okay. that package, I package that. I sell that as a yep. package as a monthly. And so what it's two calls and then it's boxer access to me Okay, um, and follow up as much boxer as you want. Cause again, that's an easy thing to price. Cause there's value. Like you can't, it's hard to scale right. an hour. Right. right? Exactly. Um, and so every once in a while people want that from me, but people just don't get the same kind of transformation out of a one hour. No, call. no, and you I'm need more than that. Yeah. Right. I'm not, I want to be there. Like it's the same thing that I want to do for all my therapy clients is what I want to do for the people that work with me as a right. therapy entrepreneur is make change. And the other thing I say is that if you don't like it, I'll give you your money back after the right. first month, because right. I don't want anybody working with me that isn't happy because right. why would I want that? Like that's silly. That just, that's just not good for my branding and it's not good for that. Yeah. So nobody's right. ever taken me up on that oh, but yeah. it's nice for them to say like, Oh, I'm, I'll try it. And then they're like, Whoa, cool. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Do you ever do like group coaching calls? Like have a group that you think I've just started. I just started. So a lot of thoughts on that of which I won't share all of them. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I am looking at something leveraged not at this point, because what I've seen for for group coaching for OT entrepreneurs is it's a really nice price point for people. It's usually less, but there's a lot of backend to build. You know that a lot of content, a lot of systems. And I tend to hold people in the journey and then 
kind of how we did hell health, right? Like find right. your favorite toy. Like I will literally be sitting here with a plan and I'll listen to their plan, but then I can change that plan on a dime and be like, oh, wait, you need this book. And then I'll go to my bookshelf right. and I'll be like, oh, I'm going to show you this cool Ted talk. And like, I'm far. And that's what jazzes me up. So I, I'm not going to say no, but it's not, it's no for right. now. So I'm offering something leveraged. I'm doing a few masterclasses that um, okay, awesome. for after the summit. And it's really a five, I think it's going to be five. I haven't even made it yet, but it's like a masterclass <laughs> um, on video. Cause I'm better at that than writing. So yeah. why would I? write something if I'm not as good right. at that. Yep. And it's going to be delivered in people's inboxes for a much lower price level of my top, I don't know. I literally haven't built it. I think it's like my top five tips on how to stop thinking, moving from thinking like a therapist to acting like a CEO. And it's probably going to be about strategic planning and what you need to track and how to track goals and quarters and something like that. Awesome. Yeah. That's fabulous. I love it. Thanks. Thank you, Kara. So yeah. So you guys, they have a summit that's coming up. Um, it opens to register. Yeah, the wait first. on the wait list now. The wait list closes as of April third or yeah, April thirtieth. So okay. OTEntrepreneurSummit.com. and that'll. I mean, you can come in and register between the first and the seventh of May. But getting on the wait list allows us to give you that email right away when our early bird card opens, and it'll right. get you the prices. Okay, okay. And do you mind telling us how much it is? You know, there's a variety. So okay. uh, go and find out. It depends. We're actually, one of the things we did switch, because again, I don't believe in lowering prices. Yeah. Uh, we actually talked a lot about a COVID offering and we have a COVID offering. Okay. We're doing okay. Because we feel that, um, and it's a very honor system and the, the, the market copy is really strong. It's like, listen, if you're really impacted and you can't afford our regular price, then use this because we're not going to be turkeys about it. We want you to okay. have this. But we've also, you know, we didn't do what you did. We're pricing ours differently. You had um, a like free and then get a lifetime access with uh, that next payment. And we decided to do something really different. Right. Work. We actually decided to price it higher and also not have that upsell. It's just like you have a lifetime access. Like this is yep. the price. This is the price. Yeah. And we thought that because again, it's the why like yep. we're not interested in building a huge email list. That's right. not why we're not interested. Right. We don't have a million offerings like you do. Like you have a total community. This is literally a summit. Right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so we thought that like our whys are pro- when you get, even though we offered the same thing, Kara, I bet our whys are really different. Yeah. I mean, the whys of wanting to change people's lives as OT entrepreneurs yep. is the same, but again, in kind of that back end, like you want to build a much bigger community right away. And we're kind of okay with a bit more organic growth. And we price yeah. that to reflect that if we get a hundred or 200 really super engaged OT entrepreneurs, cause they've yeah. paid up at a higher price and they're just like in it, we're really okay with that. Right. Um, and so, but we did offer COVID price because we felt that was important. Right. And then good price anchoring, which we didn't talk about, but you always want to offer a range of prices. You want people yeah. to buy your middle offering. But what you should do is also offer a high-end anchor price to kind of make people realize that, oh, that's really expensive. I'm going to buy the middle thing. But also if you sell like five of those, you're kind of gold. And so we've got a really high-end offer out there. I think we're tapping it out at like six to 10 of um, coaching calls with Laura and I. Okay. For 90 minutes and follow up after. So there's a few of those that exist too. But yeah. Yeah. And that's just it. Our mission 
was to just like, it was free for students. Um, So I came from, I come from academia working with OTA students for the last eight years. And so many just do not see, believe that they can do something different, that there's so many things out there or that they can own their own business. And same with, same with just OT students. I feel we still are very traditional in our teaching, you know, and so many are thinking they need to go out and start a job or they need to go out and apply for a job, work this job. And we think of OTs, you know, in the school system, in the hospital, in the outpatient. Um, So, yeah, so for our, for students, you know, yeah, and it was on the honor system, but, you know, they got it for free. Um, And then, of course, we have a membership group. So our basic package was exactly because they're part of our membership community exactly. but um and we kept our price too just really low we did honestly because we wanted everyone to see what's out there and not yeah. you know kind of be scared to sign yep. up for it so there's so exactly. many reasons that go into there it. are so many reasons and again like you oh. your email your email list is way bigger than ours and probably always will be um so again, it's kind of like what you want to achieve as a business person, yeah. too, not just in terms of the content you're delivering. Right. But one of right. the things, I don't know if you did this, but one of the things we've done again is we have a money back guarantee for the summit. Right. So right. that money back guarantee, which is now you have to have gone through the summit. <laughs> right. Right. But yeah. you're not going to also nitpick you. Like if you truly write to us and you're like, I attended everything, I read everything, I looked at everything, and I don't think I got any value. Oh yeah. I don't think people are going to probably do that. There's different ways of, um, of getting over that objection, but yeah, you have just a much bigger community that you have lots of other offerings. So it makes sense for you to have like a really big email list. And again, I just think this stuff is so cool when you start looking at honestly, never use my email list uh, until I don't know when it was. Um, I had a coaching call and I talked about how I'm just not really a big fan of emails I and we, he sat down and talked to me about it. Um, yeah. So then I've started using it. And the craziest thing is, is, I mean, and some people leave the email list, which Ooh, they totally, do. And they're supposed I mean, to, I mean, I do, I leave email <laughs> lists, but I about died. I mean, I actually got like messages from people. Can you add me to your email list? Because oh, I've heard of this, this, and this. I'm like, are you serious? I know. I've got to call and tell my coach this because I've never really used an email list or cared yeah. about an email list. Well, you're, you're, you're really Facebook. So, like that's where you are right now. You've got that presence on Facebook yeah. and the whole membership level. Like your offerings are yeah. based there, which is smart. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, there's work. Somebody's going to resonate with your stuff. Somebody's going to resonate with my stuff. Somebody's, exactly. In fact, if you think about something really weird, that Laura and I both have coaching offers at the end yep. of this. Yeah. And some people would say, why are you competing with your co-founder? That's crazy. Yeah. Well, we all and, resonate with someone different. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yep. And again, to me, the more of us there are, the more of us will join. Yeah. Eventually there's going to be as many physio coaches as there are OT coaches, as there are like, Think of the number of business podcasts that you have that are run by just, and there's air quotes, right? business people. Like there's a million. So yep. how do you find that person you resonate with? And, yep. and there's someone absolutely dedicated to, and there's right. some that other people love. And I'm like, I can't handle their 
delivery or it's that right. factor. Oh yeah. And so it, the more it really, there's very, it's not just a mindset thing. There's very, very concrete reasons why the more the merrier in this. Yep. Space. And I know that was, um, again, I mean, I've never run a summit before. I never put it to summit together and, um, <laughs> I barely know how to spell summit. I mean, I didn't even, I, yeah, I didn't even know what a summit was, but, um, Erin Lindbergh is one of our next level mentors. And she was the one that she's like, we should do a summit because I've done lots of, or she has done tons. And so she kind of led us through the process and how to do it. But, um, I think, I don't know for sure, but a lot of the different presenters are, I mean, the coaches all do kind of same thing. A lot of them coach other people, but everyone resonates with someone different. And it was funny that they are all getting calls or getting connections. And that's what we want. Building that support system. I just feel like we're on a crest of OTs really stepping up to the plate. I know. I hope it just keeps going. That's what, that's the other fist on the table moment for you and I, right? Like that's what gets us up and has you working till three in the morning. And yeah, I've I've tried to stop that. Me too. I've tried to stop that. How's that working for you? It's actually been pretty good. Um, been pretty good. Not too good. bad. My husband gets on my case a little bit if good. I start to, but for the most part, it's been pretty good. Do you good. have an accountability partner in your coaches and at home? So, um, yeah, well, my husband definitely. And good. then um I have a few different accountability partners. One couple of my coaches, but then I have another therapist um that we kind of keep track on each other. So right, people yeah. are but yeah, you definitely need that. So, okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. So I need from you, if you could, um, message me the link for people to pre-register or for the summit, as well as your personal coaching things. Cause there might be some people listening that are really ready to start scaling. We can put um, that in the show notes, but if you're listening, it's otentrepreneursummit.com. And right now the best place to find me for coaching, I've got a landing page that's being built. See, you can actually do it before you build it, people. <laughs> I'm literally living proof of that. Uh, the two places that people reach me the most right now are um, on my Facebook page, which is Trish Williams, or um, my IG, which is Williver, W-I-L-L-E-V-R-E. Uh, those are where people get me the the best. And then, as I said, the otentrepreneursummit.com. Awesome. Fabulous. And I can, um, so listeners, I will um, include this in one of the upcoming emails too. So um, I can email it out. So my, to my email list. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thank you very much. Um, Trish, if you could take a moment, since this is kind of podcasty, there are a lot of I know there's some questions that people have. Um, I might tag you in a few. So when Ooh, you I love have time, um, you can come back and answer those. So um, I love it. That's one of the so, roles Laura and I have played. Like Laura's also busier than I am. Yep. Although I'm a single mom. So I pushed that off on her. I'm like, you're a PhD, but I'm a single mom. <laughs> um, and uh, it's not a competition, but she just doesn't spend as much time in those forums as I do. Right. And I really love it. Again, it's what's in alignment. She's like, she's kind of like, focusing on the, on the, on the next goal. And I, I really strangely have been really like social media for that connection that it brings. And so I'm happy to go in and spend time. I love it. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for everyone listening, watching. 
Thank you, Trish, for taking all this time and thanks for everything that you're doing. Months and putting up with me canceling several times. Honestly, your mission is is I love it. I'm so thrilled to be working alongside you uh, because it's just I'm just so happy that you're changing things for OTs. Thank you. Well, and you too. Thank you guys. We'll talk to you later. Have a great night. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's show, which is sponsored by our Therapy Business Builder Program, where we help healthcare professionals start the business of their dreams from the ground up. Also, be sure to join our free Next Level Occupational Therapy Facebook group. And for even more support, guidance, and training, check out our Next Level Visionary Membership Group. Time to level up occupational therapy professionals.